Well, today is the second week of Advent, and so in the church, that means that you know, we are preparing our, our lives, our, our hearts, our, our very souls for Christmas. And now, it, it, for us, it, you know, yes, we've put up trees and lights and all of that kind of stuff, but it's, it's, it's deeper than that. It's, you know, it's, it's more important than that. It's, it's actually, it's about preparing for the coming of the promised Messiah. And so in this series, we're, we're, we're exploring all the different places yes, throughout the entire Bible where we see, where we hear whispers and, and, and just hints of the coming of Jesus, foretastes of the Christmas story. And so that's why we're calling this series Unexpected Places. And so today we're going to look at an incredible prophecy given to a guy, as Pastor Tom said, named Moses. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and, and turn to Deuteronomy 18. If you, you've got your um, Bible from the back, it's page 133. And so just as you're finding that, let me just kind of give you some context about where this is, where we are in the story. And so Moses lived approximately 1,300 years before Jesus was born. So think about that. So I, I did the math on this. 2022 minus 1,300 is like seven, the year 700, right? Anybody remember the year 700? Anyone? Anyone? No. Like, we, we, there's like these, sometimes we, the, the time difference in you know, how things are, are going in the Bible, we just kind of just assume, like we kind of understand, but we don't really understand. This is a significant amount of time between Moses and Jesus. Now, we, we don't have enough time to, to di- take a deep dive into the life of Moses, but, but I do want you to know a few things about him up front. So first of all, Moses knows what it's like to make mistakes that, can, that changed his life. In fact, he killed somebody. And because of that, he was banished to another country. Moses also, he knows what it felt like to, to not belong. Right? So he was born as a Hebrew. He was raised as an Egyptian. And he married a foreigner. And Moses also knows what it is to, to feel like you're stuck. Right? So think about this. He, he wandered for 40 years as, as a shepherd. He was over, watching over sheep for 40 years. And then for 40 years, he was wandering through the desert. So, so for some of us, we're like, I'm just, I've been waiting so long. You got nothing on Moses. For 80 years, he knew what it was to be stuck. And so I, I say all that because, you know, during this time of the year, it, it just, I think we can feel these same kind of feelings. You know, with all, of this, all the celebrations and, and getting around people that maybe we only see a couple times a year, and just it, it reminds us of our past. It reminds us of mistakes and things we said and things that we did that we regret, and we feel like that's just, it's, it's still part of our identity, right? And I just, I, I heard from so many people this past week, you know, that, that, that drawing of, of Mary le- reaching back to Eve. Just how much they, they resonated just with, with the picture of Eve and her clutching that, that fruit and her body language and, and you know, the snake coming up her, her leg. I mean, it just, like, this season just, for whatever reason, it magnifies the junk that we're dealing with in our everyday ordinary lives. And so, you know, all of these, all these gatherings that we have, I mean, sometimes it's just, it makes us feel like we, we really, we, we might be very busy, but we don't have any intimate relationships. We don't have people that we can go deep with. Sometimes we even feel like we don't belong, even though we're surrounded by so many people. And so even as, as busy as this season is, it, I think this time of the year, it can, we can feel like we're stuck, that our lives aren't going anywhere. 
And, and so we're, we're, we're going to come to some of the, back to some of these topics of, about Moses. But, but first, I, I want to read our, our scripture verse for today, scripture verses today from Deuteronomy chapter 18. And we're going to look at verses 14 to 18. Now, now, when I read these, you know, these words, now they might seem just a, a, a bit strange or, you know, uh, I don't know, just like, what is he talking about? Why are we talking about this during Advent? Don't, don't worry. Well, we're going to read it, to, and then we're going to talk about it, and we're going to connect the dots this morning. So let me read verses 14 to 18. The nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you, what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. And I'll put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I commanded him. And so the, the book of Deuteronomy, right, it, it begins right before the Israelites are ready to step into the promised land. So before this, they, they were slaves in Egypt. And so God raises up Moses to, to be the guy who's going to lead them out of slavery into a new land, the promised land. And so before they enter this land, Moses gets up before all the people of Israel, and he gives this epic speech. And we get to read it in the book of Deuteronomy. And so this is just, like, we've heard this, what I just read was just a, a small sliver of, of that speech. But Moses tells the Israelites, look, we're, we're going to be different. The people of God are, are going to be different than all the other nations around us. Because he says, look, all these other nations are trying to connect with, you know, just to the, to the spiritual realm. And, and they're doing that kind of just like in ways that we don't want to do it through sorcery and, and witchcraft and, and, and other practices. And Moses is like, not us. We're the people of God. We, we don't do that. And so he's like, look, here's, here's how we're going to connect to God. And Moses goes on to say, here's how you're going to, we're going to do it through the prophets. And so in the Bible, a prophet is someone who, who acted as, as God's representative by communicating God's word and desires to his people. And so Moses is saying, like, the people of Israel, we're, we're going to connect with God, not, not through magic, not through sorcery, not through witchcraft, but through the word of God given through his prophets. And so up to this point in, in Israel's history, Moses was the, the primary prophet. And so in verse 16, Moses recalls the, the time when, when actually the people of Israel said, Moses, would you please be our prophet? Look at Deuteronomy 18, 16 again. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Oreb, Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. And so this, this, this scene is actually playing out in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And, and so, right, so right after God has given the people of Israel his law, he sp he, God spoke to them directly from this fiery mountain. Right? And so the, the people of Israel, they are literally hearing the voice of God from this mountain of fire. And if you're like, whoa, it, it, I'm telling you, it, it freaked out the people of Israel big time. 
Like they're terrified. Like they're, they're hearing the voice of the one who created and brought everything into existence. I mean, can you imagine directly hearing from God himself? They couldn't handle it. And so they, they beg God, they beg Moses to go to God and to listen to God for them. Here's what they said to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 27. Go near and listen to all the Lord our God says. Then tell us, whatever the Lord our God tells you, we will listen and obey. And so Moses says yes. He says he is going to take on this incredible role to, to listen to God and then to communicate to the people whatever God says. That's the role of a, of a prophet. But now, in Deuteronomy 18, they're standing on the edge of the promised land, and Moses says, hey, guess what? Someday, sometime in the future, someone else is going to do this work. Someday God is going to raise up someone else to be a prophet, just like he was. That God was going to raise up a better Moses. Look at verse 15 again. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must Listen to him. So Moses doesn't say he's just going to raise up any kind of prophet, but he's going to raise up a prophet like me. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, he, he means a lot by it, but, but we're going to focus on two very simple things this morning. And, and, if, and if, you, if you get anything today, if you walk out of here knowing anything, these are the two things that I, I want you to walk out with. And so first of all is this. Moses' relationship with God was arguably the, the most intimate that anyone had up to that point in the Old Testament. Exodus 33:11 says, "The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a what? A, a friend." The first is this intimate relationship between God and Moses we see. And then second of all, just this Moses' prophetic just work of, of leading the people of Israel out of slavery and into freedom. That's found in the book of Exodus. So intimacy and freedom are the two big things that we will look at today. And so here, we're, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 18, and Moses is standing before all the people, and he's making this kind of cryptic you know, declaration or prediction, if you will, that someday a new prophet's going to rise up like him. Someone who's going to have deep intimacy with God, and someone who's actually capable of leading God's people to freedom, and all they can do is wait until he comes. So in time, Moses, of course, he dies, and the people of Israel, they, they settle in the promised land, and, and God raised up various prophets and leaders, but none of them are like Moses. So generations and begin to pass by, and Israel, they, 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 they have a, a monarchy, right? They raise up a king, and the great kings of Israel, they, they hire prophets onto their staff, people like Nathan and Isaiah. And other times, they are confronted by prophets like Elijah and Amos. But they're not prophets like Moses. Then over time, Israel disobeys God, and they're sent out into exile. But God, he, he continues to sell more, send more prophets, people like Ezekiel and Daniel, to give them hope. And, and even after the Israelites return to Jerusalem and, and they begin to rebuild, God continues to send prophets like Haggai and Zechariah, but none, none are like prophets like Moses. So they're, the people of Israel, they're, they're waiting. 
They're waiting. They're waiting for this future prophet to arrive. Waiting for, the, for, for a prophet like Moses to be raised up by God. And then one day, the, the people of, of Israel, they hear the news that there's a new prophet in town. He's down at the, at the Jordan River, and, and he's preaching a bold message, telling people that they need to, be, to repent and be baptized once they receive and accept his, his message. Now, this guy, he's, he's a bit eccentric. He's wearing camel hair clothes. He's eating locusts for meals, right? He's, he's just a little bit different. And his name is John the Baptist. But the people, they start to wonder, they start asking the question, could it be him? Is he the one? Could he be the prophet like Moses? Look what it says in John chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely. <coughs> I am not the Messiah they asked him, then, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. And then the big question, are you the prophet? He answered, no. So John the Baptist, he admits, hey, I, I'm not the prophet. And so they're like, well, who are you then? And he said, look, my job, the reason I am here is to prepare the way for the guy who is. In other words, the prophet like Moses, he's coming. He's almost here. And, and, and who is that? Who's the prophet like Moses? Well, you guessed it. The New Testament is, is crystal clear. It overwhelmingly declares that the prophet is Jesus. And, and so the birth of Jesus is the coming of the prophet like Moses. Now, and this, is, this is whenever I get geeked out. Because if you read the Old Testament life and the story of Moses, and you read the, the New Testament, the Gospels, and the story of Jesus, there's so many like, similarities, so many things that, that connect together. And we can't explore all of them, but I, but I want to show you just one really cool story that's found in Mark chapter 9. And so one day we, we see Jesus, like he, he's, he, he's walking with his disciples. His, his inner circle of Peter, James, and John, and they, they go up on this mountain, and, and this is the story called the Transfiguration. And, and so the, the, when they get to the top, this is what happens, Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 4. There he, Jesus, was transfi transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And the story goes on to talk about how when they're there, the, the disciples, they are terrified. I mean, this, is, this is the revelation. This is the moment of God declaring who Jesus is. And, and, and so they're afraid, just like the, the Israelites were 700 years before, just like they were. And they're just afraid of listening to the voice of God up on that mountain in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And then this happens in Mark 9, 7. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, to say, listen to him. I mean, you can, can you connect the dots here? Right? The, the voice of God, once again, is speaking directly to his people. And what did he say? Hey, this is my son. I love him. Listen to him. And so, so why is it 
Why is it this moment that God would say to the disciples of Jesus, the inner circle, listen to him? I mean, come on. They, they've already been listening to him probably for a couple of years at this point. They, they, they decided to drop their nets and, and follow Jesus. They followed Jesus up on this mountaintop. I mean, shouldn't they already know that they should listen to Jesus? But I think God is connecting the dots for them. He's confirming to the disciples that Jesus is indeed the prophet like Moses. Remember what Moses said about this prophet, Deuteronomy 18, 15? The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You what? What's, you must listen to him. What did God say? Listen to him. Right? And, and wow, the connection is so powerful for me. And, and, and maybe for us today in the 21st century, this doesn't really seem like that big of a deal. But I'm telling you, if you're a Jew living in the first century, and, and now you, you've heard the voice of God on a mountaintop that is saying, listen to, to him, right? Your, your mind, I mean, they think through the lens of Moses as much as we think through the lens of, of Jesus. And so they instantly are going back to Deuteronomy chapter 18 and the stories of Moses. And, 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 it, like, and it doesn't, so it doesn't take them very long to connect the dots, to realize that God in this moment, on this mountaintop, is saying, my son is the prophet Moses, foretold, that he would be the prophet like Moses. And what that means is that, that Jesus, he has to have a, a, a deeper, intimate relationship, a connection with God more than any other person, even Moses. It means that, that somehow the, the ministry of Jesus will, will lead us from slavery into freedom. And so if Jesus is, is the prophet like Moses, then, then our response, yours and mine, is to listen to Jesus. And so if, think about this, if the Israelites, like if they wanted to, to know what God said or, or, or wanted to feel connected to God, what they do? They listen to Moses. When the Israelites, when they long for, for, for freedom from slavery, they, they listen to Moses. Like he was the one who had the intimate relationship with God. He was the one who knew God face to face. Now, a, a new prophet like Moses has come, and his name is Jesus. And like Moses, he, he, was a, he was once a, a fugitive when he was a kid. Like Moses, he spent time wandering in the wilderness. And, and like Moses, he displays a connection, an intimacy with God that no one had ever witnessed before. So much so that when he talked about God, he referred to him as my father. Jesus said in John chapter 12, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me, commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And then later, Jesus would say in John 14, 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So now Jesus is the one who connects us to God. Jesus is the one who reveals to us who God is and what God is like. And so if you want to know what God is like, you look to Jesus. If you want to know what God says, you listen to Jesus. Now, all that's fine and good, and we can read all of this, but what does that mean for you and me? Like today in the 21st century, how does this impact or change or transform our lives? So if, if Jesus is this prophet like Moses, 
then that means for you and for me that he and he alone can offer us a true connection with God and true freedom in our lives. You know, this, this time of the year, I mean, God, man, it just, to me, it just, it reminds me of just, we're just, we're not as free as we think we are. And I'm not talking about politically or anything like that. I'm, I'm talking about our souls, right? The, the deepest part of who you and I are, right? This, this time of year, it just, it, it reminds us of just, I mean, come on, how, how messed up our lives really are, right? I mean, it just like, it, it, Maybe it just it, it reminds you and you see someone you haven't seen for a while, mistakes from your past, or, or just like these things that just keep, you know, Satan just keeps haunting us and bringing back to our memories. And maybe it's the alcohol or the gambling or the porn or, or just, just things that are, are, are ruining your life and ruining your relationships. Maybe it's this fear of just feeling like, oh, I'll just, I'll just never have enough. Right? It's just, and it just feels overwhelming. We just, we just aren't as free as we think we are. You know, for many of us, our, our lives are, are being controlled by addictions, our anxieties, our fears, our, our hatred, our, our, busy, our, our bitterness, and our busyness. I mean, come on. If, if you're angry at someone right, right now, and you've been angry with that person for, for quite a while, guess what? It's controlling you. You're not free. True freedom can only come through giving your life to Jesus and listening to him. Moses, he led the people out of Egypt, away from slavery, but it's only Jesus who can truly free you from being a slave to sin. Acts 13, verses 38 to 39 says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And for some of us, as I talk to people from our church, they just, I hear people talking about how just, like, I'm stuck. Like everything on the surface, maybe it seems okay. You know, you, your family, things are, it's okay. Jobs, it's okay, right, man? But, but in here, deep inside of our souls, it's just like there's something missing. And maybe you feel like, I, I don't belong. I'm surrounded by people, but I'm, I, I, my life's not going anywhere. Deep down inside, you're, you're looking for something more, deeper. And you may not realize it. Maybe you do. But what you're longing for is deep intimacy with God. And I'm telling you, Nothing in this life, nothing in this world will satisfy you the way a deep, intimate relationship with God will. And, and, and come on, let's, let's, let's just be honest. Like, hey, going to church does it for me. No. It's so much more than that. Right? And, and, and just, it won't. If you just show up here, sing some songs, and, you know, give some money or whatever, and then go home, and then, like, as, that was just a box you checked. It's, it's not going to change you. It's not going to bring meaning to your life. It's not going to satisfy what you're really, truly looking for. You see, deep intimacy with God, it only happens, it's only satisfied when we're pursuing Jesus with all that we are and all that we have. 
When we discover that that the love that that Jesus has for you, just for you personally, regardless of what happened in your past, no matter what kind of identity or things want to say about you or how much stuck you feel or or just meaningless you have right now in your life, he loves you. His love for you is perfect in every way. And so how, how is it that we begin to discover this, this deeper relationship with God? How do we do it with one another? Okay, so, so when Kelly and I were, were dating, right, so I just, I, she was at Grove City. I, I was at home working. Like, I, I look forward to whenever I was going to see her. I, I look forward to the time whenever I got to call her. There was like one phone on the hallway back at Grove City back in the day, Right? I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to talk to her. I can't wait to, to touch her, right? I mean, like, there was just longing. And as, as I was driving up I-79 to get to Grove City, you know, thank goodness there weren't too many state troopers back then, right? I couldn't wait. I longed to see her. I wanted to spend more and more and more time with her. Is, it tr- is that the same? Is, it, is, is that true for us in our time with God? Do we long do we look forward to, do we hunger and thirst for more time with Jesus? Maybe for you it just means I'm going to spend the first 10 minutes of my day with God. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Spend time in prayer. And just nurture this relationship with God, this deep intimacy that I think all of us ultimately long for. And we, we saw in Moses, right? he, he held such a, a deep relationship with God that he talked to God face-to-face as a friend. And now, through Jesus, you, you and I, we actually can have that same kind of a relationship. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 15, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Get that first line. You're my friends. If you'll do what I command. And it's just it's another way to say, listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus, and you'll discover true intimacy with God. Listen to Jesus, and He will lead you into freedom. And so I want to challenge you this Advent that, that you would commit yourself to listen to Jesus in a new and a fresh way. For He's a prophet like Moses who came into the world to set us free from sin and to lead us into a deep, abiding relationship with God. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are are so busy in this season. We, We are so consumed with going and running, and it is so draining and It steals our joy and our peace. Then we hear about what it's like to have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. God, we want to be like, we want to have the kind of relationship that that Moses had with you. We want to have the kind of relationship that Jesus has with you. So God, would you you break down all the walls and all the barriers that we set up to, to, to try to protect our hearts? 
God, I pray that we, we would have the, the courage to approach you, your throne of grace. That you would put such a longing for you in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. That we, we, we wonder, when, when can I go spend more time with Jesus? God, that there would be such a hungering and a thirsting for more and more and more and more and more and more of Jesus in our lives. And the things of this world that, that just seem to, to distract us and consume us and really tear us down and tear us apart would just fade away. And we'll keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so may this be a, a new and different advent for us this year, God, where we walk in the freedom that we have in Jesus from sin death, and we abide with Jesus. God, we love you, and we praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.